Welcome to Today in Space. I hope you're well. We're sitting uh, down here in our lab, our 3D printing lab at AG3D. You can hear the 3D printers going in the background. And, you know, we're we're busy here making PDE and getting 3D prints done for people that we're working for. And, uh, and we're hanging in there. We're busy. So that's good. That helps out. I hope you're, you're staying busy. If, at the very least, I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Um... Got a few things to talk about before we start our episode this week. Uh, so there's a lot of space coming up here in May, so there's a lot for you to know. Uh, this weekend, May 16th, the United Launch Alliance is launching the X-37B Orbiter, which is kind of like a drone version. No crew on board, but like a space shuttle drone, basically. Uh, they've flown it a bunch of times. We talked about it this week on this new segment we're doing online called uh, Space in a Minute. But that's launch launching Saturday. There's like a huge launch window, and you're pretty much going to have to follow the ULA online or Tori Bruno to uh, to see what's going to happen there. But we'll follow up with you on that. May 17th is double launch weekend. May 17th, we've got a SpaceX launch at 3.53 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, so 4 a.m. in the morning on May 17th. We've got another Starlink launch. It just did a static fire test successfully today. This is the, the, the Wednesday before the podcast came out, the 13th. And uh, we wish we wish SpaceX well. We wish the United Launch Alliance well. They're launching for the Space Force. That X-37B is for them. May 27th is the DM-2 launch. That's the first time that American astronauts going to be launched from American soil aboard an American spacecraft. We've been talking about it for the entire length of this podcast about the possibility of the U.S. actually being able to launch again because we haven't since the space shuttle was retired in 2007 and 2011. I never get tired of saying this because it's still true and it's 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 going to be a huge event. I don't think it's going to get the press that it deserves, but I don't think everyone's really caught on to how important this this mission is and and, and where we're going to end up here with the future of human spaceflight. But Bob Bank and Doug Hurley, they're the two astronauts that are going to be on board and fly the Crew Dragon for the first time. It's going to have an automated docking to the International Space Station. It's going to be awesome. So that's May 27th. And that's our return. That's Launch America. That's that'll be the first time we're we're able to launch our own astronauts with an American spacecraft into space. I think I already said that, but I, I have to say it again because it's so crazy. It's so crazy that we're actually here. Ten years ago, when I was a a, a hopeful aerospace engineer in college, watching SpaceX, you know try and land a first stage rocket which just seemed crazy and cool at the time and still is and now they've made it commonplace and here we are we're about to enter this new stage and i kind of see this if if the apollo program is going to the moon right that's what artemis will eventually become and and this commercial crew program dm2 with spacex crew dragon the starliner for boeing when they when they get their human test coming up maybe the end of this year maybe next year who knows with covid19 but this is this is amazing, uh, an amazing step forward. And so May 27th, look forward to that. That's uh, uh, 4 o'clock or so in the afternoon. I've said it so many times, I totally forget. But it's in the afternoon around 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think it's 4.32, but check that. And then May 29th, we have the uh, the Space Force comedy with Steve Carell coming out on Netflix May 29th. And I'm not getting paid for that plug. I just think that it's going to be hilarious. I love The Office. Steve Carell was amazing. And it's going to be interesting what they do. I was watching a broadcast with the, the general of the Space Force, uh, General Raymond, and he was a good sport about it. 
Um, I mean, they've worked together, apparently, with Netflix to make this happen. Uh, he even gave Steve Carell a hard time about his haircut not being high and tight. And uh, <laughs> it's going to be good, man. I'm excited. There's a lot to come, uh, a lot to look forward to with space in the next month. Uh, but what I want to do in the meantime is provide some kind of value to you guys at home. One of the, one of the things that... Uh, everyone's been dealing with is is having to work from home, and it may even continue as as we we enter this next stage in in this modern history of 2020, where uh, the country starts opening up, people start going back to work again, and look, if everyone was educated on what was best to do, and it wasn't so, and if it wasn't so hard for just the average person to find the information that they need to be safe, it would be a totally different thing. But until that happens, uh, it, it's it's going to be very difficult um, to say that we won't have some kind of outbreak. And I, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen. I really do. But all we can do is be safe. And that's a lot of what we'll be doing here with... Uh, with our 3D printing efforts, you know, we've been talking about it uh, for about a month now, pretty much since this lockdown happened. Uh, so we're 3D printing PPE to donate to people. We're also starting to, you know, the the our our needs have been met for the people that have reached out, and we know with people going back to work, it's good for them to be safe. If you have anybody that needs PPE that's going back to work, you're worried about you're worried about them. Reach out to, reach out to us at AG3D Printing. That's AG3D Printing on Instagram. AG3D dot and uh, engineering at gmail.com if you want to email us and our website ag3d-printing.com we've got some donations there if you want to help donate if you need ppe you can reach out to us there and then we've also we also started selling uh the the ear straps the ear reliefs here i'll get this right here started selling this on our etsy page we've got a bunch of stuff there but this is you know if if you're gonna have to wear a mask all day long which may be life for a little while and you want and you have those over the ear face masks which a lot of people do especially the homemade ones this helps relief this goes in the back of your head and this holds the straps away from your ears so that you can wear them a little more comfortably over time so got these a buck fifty a piece two for two five for five ten for ten in case you want to get some for other people and uh we're doing that we've got our uh, some other fun stuff. If you've got some space friends, you want to send them our way. We've got some Star Trek refrigerator magnets that are like the command badges from the different series. We've got Discovery. We've got Next Generation. And that's at ag3dprinting.etsy.com. And we also have the child, the baby Yoda, um, that we, we just started selling. It's a 3D printed figure. Both of those are at our our etsy page you can help do that that funds the podcast that keeps the lights on that helps us buy more uh <laughs> buy more equipment so that we can do more you know one of the things that uh, you guys asked for for this summer was to start building rockets that we would actually launch and so this this cr10 here is going to be our our guy for that and we're going to start testing different things you guys can be involved in the design of that but that's later this summer for now we're just staying busy and if you have anyone that needs 3D printing, send them our way. You know, we're, this, is, this is kind of our practical side of how we use science in real life to help other people solve problems. So I've worked in the industry, and now I'm, I'm offering my services to you. So you get personal engineer that knows what they're doing to help you make their project. And it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, we give free quotes. So if you're interested, reach out and be well, guys. Be safe. Um, this week we have our, one of our friends that we met at the CRS-19 SpaceX launch to resupply the International Space Station. We saw that rocket launch, my first rocket launch at the NASA Social in December. And our guest today is Elena Salazar. 
she uh, was one of the people that was chosen for the event for the NASA social and we became friends we reached out and she's been working at home for a long time she she knows she knows the little things that that helps her be productive she, I think she said it was I think it was six years uh, that she's been doing this she works for VMware well she'll tell you more about that she's a digital marketer but it was a real pleasure to have her on and she's got some really good advice for you guys at home to make the most of this time if you're if if you do have to still stay home if you do still have to stay home and you're able to make the choice for your own safety to do so this these are some of the things that can help you because I, I don't think this will be the last time in our in our near future that this might happen so learning some of these skills from Elena was really really helpful for me and I think it'll bring you a lot of value so for this week please welcome Elena Salazar fellow NASA social and space nerd and she's going to tell us more about how to work from home better Hello, everybody, and welcome to Today in Space. I'm your host, Alex Girofanos, and today I have another of the amazing people that I met on my NASA social trip uh, in December, the CRS-19 mission, watching the Falcon 9 deliver the resupplies of the International Space Station. This week, I have Elena Salazar on the show. Elena, thank you for coming on. Hey, Alex. Thanks for inviting me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's exciting to have you on. We've We've got a few things, you know, Obviously, everyone's kind of stuck at home and doing a lot of work from home. So we're going to get into that in a little bit because um, you have some great advice for us. And what, I, what I'd like you to do is um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about what digital marketing is. And then we'll, we'll talk about our experience at NASA Social. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Elena Salazar. I live in Los Angeles. I work for VMware, which is a software company based in Palo Alto. But I work from home and I've been working from home for about six years now. And so that's been really interesting, especially now while, you know, a lot more people are working from home as well. And I've been working in digital marketing since about 2014. And I focus primarily on social media marketing as well as omni-channel. So figuring out how we can tie our social programs to perhaps our email campaigns or retarget our content syndication leads on social media. And it's just really great. The thing I really love is that it, the industry is constantly evolving, both on the tech side as well as the marketing side. So it really keeps me on my toes and always new things to try. Yeah, no, and, and it's such a, you're, you're right, it has evolved a lot. And I, so I don't know much about digital marketing. I know, I know about it from, uh, you know, I have to promote my podcast. That's how people find out about it. But that's that's more or less uh, as far as I've gotten. And I, I when I first started, I did not know anything. And I could have done <laughs> a lot better job in the early days of just getting it out there. And, and so what I've learned about digital marketing is it really is like that's how people find you is, is by getting the message out there. Um, so you've mm -hmm. been doing this for six years. That's 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 very impressive. What what was did you have a, a I guess what we'll call a normal uh job and, and work life, work day before that? Or, or what was what was life before that six years? Yeah, so I actually went to college for international development. And I studied economics. And 
then, you know, during the recession, I went back to school and got my master's degree in international management with a focus on nonprofits. And there I really did a lot of work in quantitative analytics and really honed my data analysis skills and started working doing program evaluation and was working in that area for a while and then eventually transitioned that to marketing analytics in 2014. And then that just kind of grew and evolved into what it is today. So I worked at a couple different ad agencies and then now I'm working, you know, in-house for a big corporation. So had a lot of different types of roles and experiences in that time. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I, I like kind of want to dive into what was it like when you first started working from home? Like that, the beginning of that first six years, if you can think back, like what were some of the things you were having a hard time with? Yeah, I would say at first it was, you know, I would go to the office maybe two days a week and work from home the other days. And then eventually I was just working from home full time. And I would say the hardest things for me personally would be, you know, when you're bringing on someone new to your team and you're having to train them and onboard them, but you're not in the same place. Mm. I think that is an area where I had a lot of trouble, especially bringing in people who are maybe newer college grads who were new to work in general, but also, you know, maybe didn't have the, the discipline or the time management yet to be, you know, working from home themselves. So I think that was, was kind of a challenge. And then also, you know, really figuring out what the right balance is of communication with people. So when you're in an office and you can just turn and ask someone a question or, you know, talk to someone right there, when you're not in the same place, you have to figure out, you know, how much should we be chatting? Should I save, you know, some of these things I want to talk to someone about until I have, you know, several things and then have one call with them. So I think that's something that a lot of people that are working from home now are having to kind of navigate. Mm, yeah, no, totally. And I, I, it's when you said the kids coming out of college, not really having the discipline that that I've learned is such a huge part of it because uh, the cool thing about this podcast is kind of been it started at my journey of trying to move my life towards something of that nature you know where I'm kind of at mm -hmm. my home base at home and and either doing the 3d printing business or the podcast and so I, I started learning about that discipline early on I think four hour work week was the first book that really um blew my mind to what's possible from from mm -hmm. what you can do on your own um have you have you read that book before yeah definitely yeah. it's a great book yeah that that's a good one um was it uh ferris right um, yeah tim ferris tim ferris he's great he's awesome um so was was now that you're six years in kind of a pro now at working at home what are some what are some tips that what are some things that you do now to kind of prepare yourself for um, the day, the, you know, your full day, your full week? Yeah, definitely. So I have, I have a lot of recurring meetings on mm. my calendar with, you know, my colleagues as well as the agency that helps execute some of our campaigns. And so I always start my week really looking at when I have meetings, what are, what are my really top priorities for the week? And then if I need to block some time, to focus on those big priorities. I can kind of set up my calendar ahead of time to make sure I'm managing my time effectively. And then the other thing that I think is really important for me personally is to have kind of set hours that I've decided I'm going to work. When you're working at home and you know your personal life and work life can really easily blend together, 
it's important to kind of have that boundary of, okay, this is when I'm going to start work in the morning. This is when I'm planning to end at night. And sure, that can shift if there's, you know, a fire drill that comes up or, you know, maybe you couldn't get as much done during the day as you'd thought. Yep. But really kind of trying to stick to those hours so that you're not just, you know, on your email 24-7. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, setting the it, setting that expectation for yourself, but then also the people that you're working with, I've seen is such a huge mm-hmm. thing because, you know, especially if you're in like a sales role or marketing where things are kind of always going on and you can get sucked into that kind of after work life. And I think, uh, yeah, I think knowing when that time is and then just making sure that when you're on, you're on. I think that's that's been... Mm-hmm a big thing for me to learn in the last year and a half with doing all this is, is, you know, first it's figure out when you're working on it and then just go at it 110%. And you know, okay, in an hour and a half, this is all the time I had it for me. It was uh, making sure that I could put my content out, content out regularly so that people had something mm-hmm. to look forward to and then go the next step at, okay, well, I still want to, you know, have a relationship. I still want to be able to go out and meet friends. So I was Mm -hmm. getting sucked into, wow, I could spend every waking moment doing this and really had to focus myself. Um, Do you have uh, any other advice for people that are, say, I don't know, trying their own thing? Because I think there are some people that, there are a few listeners here for sure that uh, listen to a bunch of different podcasts, but they're also maybe on the edge of doing something themselves, whatever it might be. Um, what what kind of advice do you have for, for people out there trying to do something like that online? Definitely. Yeah. In terms of, you know, getting started online or, you know, figuring out their schedule, working from home, what do you think would be most helpful you know, for them? That's, that's a, that's a great question. I would say because of the, the time we're in right now, I think it, we could kind of go dual versatile on this and, and kind of when they're at home, you know, and, and focusing their time, um, what can they do? Yeah, I think it's really important to set some goals for themselves. So I like to set my goals for the month. Like what are my, you know, big things I'm trying to accomplish for the month, whether it's personally or professionally, and then try and set aside some time every single day to do that thing. So for me, I have my own blog and I typically try to post at least twice a month on there. And so I, I spend at least, you know, a 15 minute block each day, just going and writing and just having that consistency and that diligence to make sure that I'm actually doing what I say I'm going to do. I think that's really important. And then, you know, fitting it in with the other things you're doing, like they might have another job already or other commitments. And so I think, you know, being patient with yourself and not expecting you know, to get a big project done right away, setting realistic expectations, especially in this time, I think yep. is really critical. A hundred percent. That last thing couldn't be said more times over and over again, the patience aspect of this whole thing. That is a lesson I learned over and over again. Um, <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it, it's such a subtle thing, but it's so true. Like we kind of get caught up in these expectations of like how soon things should happen or how how long, like I've, I've gotten caught up in how long I think I should be spending on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized I can actually do it faster. I just happened, I was on my phone or, you know, well, mm-hmm. 10 minutes in, I would go and do something else. Yeah. Or if you're trying to focus on too many things, instead of just diving deep into those maybe two or three things. Yep. 
totally totally um okay so let's let's backtrack here i wanted you to tell the folks uh about your experience with the nasa social uh crs19 because uh, i just went back and i watched uh the video where we interviewed everybody after the uh our, our launch experience um and it's so weird to think that was six months ago um but what got you there like when when you first decided to go what where did you find it and 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 what, what were your thoughts before you even got there yeah definitely so i i personally am very active on twitter it's one of my favorite social media platforms for you know engaging with my peers and really staying up to date with industry trends and best practices and i saw a post that someone in my network had made who had done nasa social in the past that there was another round coming up and i thought it looked so cool such an awesome experience and i applied and kind of forgot that i had applied i really thought hey this is a long shot this seems really cool but we'll see what happens so when i found out that i was accepted i i was just so excited and it turned out that it was coming up sooner than i expected so it was you know within a couple of weeks and i actually had a work trip that was scheduled for that week i was meant to go up to the bay area in california for a training and so i frantically you know rescheduled the training and <laughs> bought a flight to florida and the whole experience to me really exceeded my expectations just the group that they assembled mm. was such an interesting array of humans from students to retirees to engineers to youtube creators so i think having that broad group of people that are you know different than the people i spend my time with my day to day was really inspiring it was really great to hear other people's perspectives and see the way that they were you know putting the spin on the content that they were creating there yeah and the types of questions they were asking i think that was the coolest thing to me was you know such a big group of people but all with that one passion in common yeah oh man yeah from a content perspective yeah that must have been very interesting for for, for on your end yeah. What um, what were some of the things that you remember that that kind of spoke out to you? Yeah. Some of the things that were my favorite from the experience. I loved going to the vehicle assembly building. Mm. I thought that was just incredible. Just so much history that took place there. And then just the sheer size of it. So big. Like the largest single story building. Just insane. So mm. I thought that was just a really amazing moment. Also, you know, watching the launch, of course, was incredible. Like you see those launches happen on videos, but being there in person and, you know, hearing it and feeling it and having that communal energy of everyone there anticipating it mm -hmm. was just, it brought tingles down my whole body. Yeah. And I, I got it again in a little bit when I was watching the video, um, but mm -hmm. no, it, it doesn't, it doesn't capture the sheer like physical aspect of of, of being there um mm -hmm. it's gonna be weird it's gonna be weird the next um yeah the next six months I, i'm not sure like i i want to go down may 27th to watch the first um, you know astronauts launch from american soil again but like it just it just doesn't work like the logistics like am mm -hmm. i gonna be in hazmat suits in my car like watching it like it, it <laughs> I don't know. Like it just doesn't, 
it, it doesn't make sense yet. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it probably won't happen. Going back to NASA, I, I'm interested before NASA social, like, um, and before we kind of got in there, because part of us, we learned, we met so many people there that work at NASA and that are so passionate and that's great. Mm-hmm. And I, that's missed so much. And I think some of the opportunity digitally in the content that could be made right now um, that isn't being made. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested, like, what have you seen from NASA or other space agencies that you think that they're doing well? I want to start with well, and then we'll see what they could be working on or what you think might work. Yeah, I would say that the thing that they're doing well and that is critical, you know, for any of their content to do well is to really, you know, bring the bring the content down to a level that normal people can understand. So, you know, there's a lot of really amazing stuff that their engineers and their, you know, aerospace experts are working on, but you need to get people excited about it. And not everyone has that level of technical expertise to really understand all the ins and outs, but being able to, you know, bring that information to more of like a layman's level, I think is really critical and using a variety of content, like using video content and using like interactive opportunities for people to get involved. I think that's, you know, where they can really have an impact. Mm. And I think the NASA social program was a fantastic idea Mm. because they're able to bring in people from all sorts of disciplines and backgrounds and get their content out to their networks. Right. So they're able to inspire whole new audiences. So mm. I think that's really brilliant on their part. Yeah, I think they've done a great job with that program. I and it's I have I had the interesting opportunity to experience it in two different like eras almost. Um I went back in 2014 for the New Horizons mission that was at uh, the Applied Physics Laboratory in Maryland. So right before the spacecraft went by Pluto and got all those pictures. Um, and all mm-hmm. that awesome science. And it was not the beast that it is. NASA social is today. Um, it was mm-hmm. great, but it was more like we had um, like a media pass and we got to sit in and ask questions. We did guitars and stuff like that. But um, this had an aspect, you said it already, like the, the people that we had there that were just so much fun and so many different backgrounds. And we even, we, w- we even went out for drinks after the first day and got to know each other even better. Like that was great. like, I didn't expect that part of it. And it was such, it was so nice. Like just to enjoy the experience with people. Like I, I, I was blown away. Yeah. It was definitely a very well curated group of people. And the other thing that I thought was really awesome is they didn't allow people to bring guests. So every one of us there, you know, we didn't know anyone. So it really gave people a lot of opportunities to, make new connections mm-hmm. yeah in such an organic way and then uh, and then they basically just had a content machine in us you know promoting everything that they need i mean that's that's a that's a beautiful thing that they got going on <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> oh man um okay so i wanted to touch on so we touched on some tips for working at home right and and kind of focusing on the things that you're going to do, make sure that you have goals, maybe something to look forward to. Is there anything from that that you think is different than, or that something else that's not in that advice that might be specific to COVID-19 with us being on lockdown, especially without like a mm-hmm. end date 
or is it really just more or less the same, just making sure that you focus on your, you know, what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a little bit different. So for example, before this all happened, I would work from home, I'd get my work done. And then after work, pretty much every day, I'd go to the yoga studio or go to the gym or meet up with friends. So having something outside the house to do that I could look forward to after work was great. And then I'm pretty extroverted as well. So being able to be around people after being by myself all day was also great. And so I think that that's still really important to have things after work you're doing, even if there's not as many options as there were before. Like mm. now I try to go for a walk every day after work or, you know, do a virtual happy hour with some friends. Mm. So still having, having something to do that you kind of have planned earlier in the day. And then that also helps you really cut off the work. Like, Hey, I need to stop working because I told my friend I talked to them at six Right. or, you know, I want to go for a walk before the sun goes down. So having, having that to keep you going throughout the day. Yeah, no, those, those rewards are really like important, especially, especially nowadays. Oh man. And, and you know, it's, I, I thought of this uh, earlier today and I, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this, but the way I see it, like I, I see this way of working from home and kind of not necessarily with people. It reminds me of, well, it doesn't remind me, but it makes me think of where things could go when people start working and living in space. You know, when we start mm -hmm. going to colonies or we start going to space stations, um, a nine month trip to Mars, we're in, we're in the same spacecraft for nine months. Um, I think there's a lot from this lockdown and from what from working from home that you can really um, kind of guess where things are going to go. I mean, I think we all learned a little bit about stir crazy and how you really need to. I've I had to start something brand new. I had to pick up my trumpet again and start playing and practicing again. I'm terrible at it because I'm starting off from complete scratch again, but that was actually like exciting. Like that got me like, okay, mm -hmm. that's something to work on. It gave, it gave my mind something to go to. Um, and I think that's going to be more and more what the future workspace is going to look like. And I'm interested what, what you think? Yeah. I mean, I think as more and more people are working from home right now, it really gives companies an opportunity to think once this is all over, you know, hey, can we maybe have people working from home more often, giving people that flexibility, you know, reducing their commute time, giving them more time at home where they can get more done and they have more time to pursue the things they want to do outside of work. That's what I'm really hoping comes out of this is that there's a little bit more flexibility in terms of work location for people. Yeah, so I think that's really great. And then to your point about playing trumpet, I think that's also very important to be, you know, finding ways to stimulate yourself, even when you're not able to go out and do some of the things you used to do, mm. whether it's picking up a new hobby or picking up an old hobby again, finding some way to kind of keep your mind engaged. I really hope that companies see it for a few reasons. I think the easiest one is that they'll see this as a way to not have to spend as much money on like a building, an actual piece of property. Um, I can't tell you how many mm -hmm. places on the highway we have out here in, in, uh, in Boston, in the Boston area where you're just like, okay, that, that holds 1,400 to like 5,000 people. 
do they have to be in there anymore? Like it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, I think it's Travelocity. I think it's one of the, um, one of the travel online businesses. And it's like, uh, I don't, I don't think they need to be there. So maybe we'll see a lot more working from home. I know when I tried to work from home more often when I was out of school, there was always this kind of anxiety from my bosses, understandably, because I was a young kid, uh, of like, is he going to get his work done? Is, you know, and I think this gave everyone the opportunity to be like, oh, wow, they, they got a lot more done than I thought they were going to get done. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you find, do you find yourself ever, do you feel like you work more at home than you would in an office because you're now not um, in traffic and, you know, trying to get to work or have you just gotten so good at structuring it that you're, you're just plowing through work? Yeah, I definitely get a lot more done working from home. I, I do go up to the office maybe every few months and mm. work there for a week. And I find when I'm in the office, there's a lot of time that you spend, you know, just chit-chatting. You're going into the, the break room to get a cup of coffee and you end up talking to someone for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you get into those conversations. So that's part of it is when I'm at home, I'm not getting those types of distractions. But also to your point, like by not commuting, that's, you know, for most people, at least an hour of their day that they're not spending in their car or on, you know, the bus or, you know, getting to work somehow. So that time can then be spent either doing more work or doing something for you. And I find for me, it ends up being more work, but yeah. <laughs> uh, <it's> still, <laughs> you're a good company. <laughs> it's, still, it's still better than having to commute. So I'm able to get more done and you know, be able to do stuff outside too after work. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I find that I'm doing more work uh, at my day job than I, uh, than, than I am before, but I am saving almost three hours of driving every day. So that kind wow. of makes up for it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole commute thing I've, I've kind of historically worked at long commute jobs just because those are the ones that are available. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea of just coming in for a week. It's give me a lot, a lot of ideas here. Um, that's cool because then you're there long enough for people to kind of be like, Oh, like Elena's in the office. Like I can talk to her. Like I haven't, I haven't had the chance to meet her or, Oh, I wanted to catch up with her on something else. Like they know, okay, Hey, she's in for a week. You want to, you know, if you have anything that you got to do in person, this is the time. Yeah. And I think even if you're not spending the whole time talking about work, just having that time in person with someone to kind of build that trust and build that relationship is really critical especially if it's someone you've never met face to face before. It just completely changes the dynamic of how you work together. Totally. Yeah. There's so much that you pick up on from just being in the same room. Like even, you know, we've got a video screen and like, that's great. And like, I can see you, but it's a totally different thing when you're actually in person, just like it is the same with, uh, with rocket launches as, as we found out. Mm -hmm. Um, Awesome. Uh, I, I, I wanted to see if I want to close out with, you know, two things. First, I'd like to know what you would say for, for like most companies in today's world. What, what I think it's still, it's amazing to say, but there's still so many companies out there that don't utilize social media or digital marketing in a way that is helpful for them because they either think it's not as important as say something like a, like a hard banner on the side of a road or maybe print or, or you know, TV, what, what do you think from 
what do you think a lot of companies that are in that position are are missing from the digital landscape? Yeah, I think definitely an issue is a lot of people, they go into their digital marketing thinking, you know, what can I get from my customer? How can I get a sale? How can I bring in their business? Instead of thinking of what can I do for my customer? Mm. How can I add value for my prospects? You know, how can I serve their needs? And so, you know, by, by doing that, by putting your audience first and, you know, giving them valuable information and, you know, sharing things with them that make their job easier or help them save money or, you know, help them be more effective, that will make them want to do business with you. And so I think, I think that's the big piece that a lot of people miss is that by, by being too overly salesy, you're not going to get any sales. You need to be first and foremost adding value to get value back. I couldn't agree with you more. That was, that was perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really is about, it is the, I mean, it's a old saying, but you know, the customer's always right. There's, there's definitely an aspect of that, but it's, it's also sometimes the customers won't know what they're looking for and you kind of have to dig, dig and try and find that. That's a, I think a journey a lot of people don't go down. Mm-hmm. And with, with science communication, what I've found is it really is a, it's a multi-pronged thing. So there's like you mentioned in the beginning, it's a very technical thing. So you've got to bring it to people that may not have that knowledge just, just to get involved in the content that you're bringing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's so many different tools that are available to us um, between audio, video, and then in the rare case, some kind of kinesthetic, like hands-on, like I brought the SpaceX Dragon capsule with us. So everyone kind of mm-hmm. pass it around and know like what we're actually launching. What are some, and I may have already asked you this question, but from like a science communication perspective, what do you think, well, let me ask, cause I already asked this question, but when when I say a good science communicator, who do you think of? And I'm not I'm not plugging for you to say me. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can't I can't think of anything current, but definitely like growing up, like Bill Nye the Science Guy. I think he <laughs> he did a great job of like getting getting you know me and other kids like really excited about science and like making it really fun and engaging. And so I mean, marketing to adults, it's similar. You just really need to figure out what's going to spark people's attention and what's going to get them interested and really knowing what your audience is interested in is really important. Like figuring out how you can survey your audience as well, how you can engage with them and learn. So one thing a lot of companies don't do as effectively is they're out putting out content, but they're not engaging with their audience as much as they should. They're not responding to comments or, you know, asking for feedback. And that could be a really valuable way to improve what you're putting out to better serve them. Mm. And it, would you say that's, um, if you think of it like as a give and take, almost like a, the balance of an equation, right? Where it's like left side has to equal the right side. I think, and I've got caught up in this before where you put out stuff and you're just like, okay, yeah, I got a piece of content, but you don't take the next step to say, hey, what do you think? Or you don't even phrase it in a way that's, you know, trying to prompt someone else. And then it just kind of misses mm-hmm. the mark because there's no connection. There's no, it's just uh, well, I'm just trying to get you to watch my video or I'm just trying to get you to, to buy this uh, thing that we're selling. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's I've I've learned that that is is such a major major part of this, and and it's not even you know I think so many people come at it from a, a good place where they're like, well, I don't. I think I've seen this a lot with science communicators online. They and I've gotten caught up in this where you try so hard not to be taking from people, but you never mm -hmm. give that opportunity for that exchange to happen. And then it kind of misses the mark. Mm -hmm. And then people think, Oh, my stuff's not good. And it's not even that it's just never gave them a chance. Yeah. And it's also really important to be, you know, trying new things and testing like trying different types of content or different ways of distributing the content or different content delivery. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, um, one of the things that we're working on here is it's, it's been interesting. So it's, this show started off as just an audio podcast and then it morphed into a visual, a video one. And now, so it's, it, it's lived in two places and now the we're, we've been, we've been making micro content where we're just taking tiny pieces of the episode and, and putting them, theming it, you know, it's like, okay, this is what that person's uh, love of science was. Um, that has now become its own thing of itself. It has its own life. Like mm -hmm. some people just digest the podcast in those little bite-sized pieces. They don't, they don't even follow the show, but they're still getting it. Um, mm -hmm. There's so many different ways to, to think around how do you make a piece of content? My brain hasn't even gotten there yet, but we're just trying in ways that we can. And then my biggest thing so far has been doing it in a way that I can sustain long-term. Mm -hmm, definitely. Yeah. I've, I really liked your point about adapting your content to different people's consumption styles too. Like some people, you know, they may commute or they may go on long walks and want to listen to the podcast. Other people might just have, you know, some little bits of time here and there and just get the key takeaways or, you know, they might want to visually watch. Everyone has their own preferences and being able to adapt to that will help broaden your audience. <sighs> Well said. Well said. Um, Elena, thank you for, for coming on. I have um, a few uh, science questions uh, to throw at you before you, before you leave. Um, but first of all, thank, thank you for, for coming on. I've, I've really enjoyed your advice. Yeah. Thanks again for the invite. It's been great catching up. Yeah, I know. I, I, again, I can't believe it's been six months. Um, okay. So mm -hmm. I want to know if, if I had to ask you, okay, what, what role has science played in your life? What's the first thing that pops into your head? Yeah, I mean, I would say I, I was never a big science person in high school, like chemistry, biology. I, that wasn't an area that I really, you know, did super well in. But I always loved going to summer camp as a kid. And there'd always be one night where we'd lay out and sleep outside. And I could never sleep that night because I was always you know, my eyes were glued to the stars above. We were so far outside the city. There were so many stars up there. I'd count shooting stars. And so I just really loved space from then. I was just mesmerized by everything that was out there and wanted to learn more. Interesting. Does, does the idea of an infinite universe, like the fact that it's so massive that we can't even digest it, does that excite you or does that scare you? And either is okay. I think it's exciting and also very humbling. Like we are so small in the scope of, you know, everything that exists, that it really puts a lot of things into perspective. 
I have the same, that's exactly how I think of it too. Um, and there's a lot of people who, who um, are actually like, nope, nope, just close the door. I don't even close the roof. I don't even, <laughs> even want to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. Uh, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I changed my mind a lot. Mm -hmm. I have always been very multi-passionate. I, you know, I wanted to be an artist for a while. I wanted to be a teacher for a while. I wanted to, my dad's a pilot, so I wanted to be a pilot for a while. So oh, that's I awesome. Think, what did he fly? You know, he, he was in the Navy, but he flies for FedEx. Oh, damn. That's cool. Yeah. And so I've, I mean, even as an adult, you know, I've changed my career path different times and I've, I probably will again at some point, but. Oh, that's great. You're following just, your passion and kind of what, what, what is next for you? Yeah. And I think that's really important in life to, you know, work is necessary. You need to make a living. You need to, you know, provide for yourself, provide for your family, but it should also be fun. You know, you should be doing something that you're interested in and is, you know, bringing you fulfillment each day. Totally. I, I agree with that completely. I think we, I've, I've definitely gotten caught up in work before, but um, not anymore because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, did you have a favorite class in high school? Favorite class in high school. So my favorite class in high school was probably choir. So I, I really challenged myself academically. I did a ton of honors AP classes and choir was my one chance to really express myself creatively. Mm. And it was almost, I don't want to say escape because that sounds negative, but it was my opportunity to have that release. Yes. I was just thinking release. Yep. I, I, dude yeah music for me was was that as well um and i i think for me it just balanced off the technical side um you know i would, mm -hmm. would crunch crunch numbers crunch numbers thoughts blah 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 and then was just able to like you said release with uh with the music yeah that's great are, mm -hmm. are you yeah and almost are almost you? kind of clear your mind and yeah totally. back to other things refreshed totally do you sing anymore I mean, not really. I sing in the shower and in the car and <laughs> Yeah, I mean those, those are great places. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh last question. And this is this is a very serious question. Uh what is your favorite planet? And why? Oh man. Oh, favorite planet. I can't choose. Okay, that's a good answer. I don't know. Probably probably Jupiter. I think Jupiter is pretty cool. Jupiter? Yeah. I mean, the most massive planet uh has the most yeah. moons. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. oh, dude, Jupiter, Jupiter's crazy. Have you seen uh, the the Juno satellites images that they've been pulling back? No. Oh man, you got to check out the Juno mission. Uh, it is it's the most high definition images that we've seen of Jupiter, and it, they, oh, man, uh, they get so close to the storms on the surface that it's it's unreal. It really is. Wow, that sounds incredible. I'm going to go look as soon as I get off yeah. this call with you. <laughs> it's, all, it's all free. It's all available. Public domain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Juno, J-U-N-O. Awesome. Check that out. Um, Elena, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Alex. It's been great chatting. And, you know, it was really so much fun meeting you at the NASA Social. And hopefully we can meet again someday when this is all, when this pandemic is over. Yeah. Someday, someday <laughs> in the future, when we're yeah. allowed outside <laughs> once again. Well, be well, stay safe, um, and uh, we'll we'll be in touch. 
Sounds great. Have a good evening, Alex. Thanks, you too, Lynn. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.